Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat from the Norton Hornets. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Four Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads, you could say. It's just it's, they're just there's <laughs> good racing and I enjoy it. Yeah. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Thanks for joining us. Our program guests this evening are Lewis Isaac from Auto Action and Ben Beasley from BAM Media. I guess the interesting things we're seeing in the media this week is the new battle for Bathurst, the 12-hour versus the 1,000 kilometres. Adrian Mussolino's story in raw.com.au really uh, summed up what it uh, looks like is going to be brewing this year. Supercars.com.au asking the question, can James Courtney win the championship from here on in with a half a season left to go? Now, Speed Cafe is talking about Volvo being excited by the potential new engine rules. And, and Lewis Isaacs, the boss, James Warburton, he's been talking a lot about the new TV deal, but what will be going hand in glove during the lifetime of that TV deal is some major changes to the V8 supercar configuration. Yeah, it's um, an interesting time. He's, he's, he's kind of talked about how the, the media deal is going to transform the sport. And uh, obviously, we, there's still a lot of great unknowns about the deal. Um, the teams still don't exactly know what's going to happen, but if they can get it to work, that'd be great. I think what's interesting is he's talking about the fact that there'll be regular coverage of the sport for the first time in a while. You know, every Sunday afternoon, you can tune in and you'll know you get some, some motorsport coverage. And I think Penn's deal with Formula One as well, there's probably some good leverage points there but if they can use that to move the sport forward you know with this whole uh well whatever his, his white paper plan you know there's some some good points there to bounce off as well it's um certainly an interesting time in, in v8 land mm. now of course uh sydney morning herald had the story about how he's uh, backing the television deal and auto action this week what have you got well the, the fact that he's backing the deal i guess that's, that's part of his job isn't it he's the one that signed it and he's gonna, the one that's going to believe in it more than anyone else but in in this week's issue we've um we've had a good extensive chat with uh, jamie about his championship and he's, he's pretty much said that if the uh, recent test didn't work out for him he would have kissed his championship hopes goodbye he's spoken to brad jones racing who, who like james courtney on the v8 site still think they're in for chance of, of the championship and Coulthard's still sitting third so they've got a fair claim on that uh michael caruso has opened up about his season so uh he's aside from scott mclaughlin he's the best of the uh the new new make drivers this year which is something that's kind of gone uh, under the radar and we've um spoken with niston they've got a new chassis built so it's taken them, you know, 18 months to build their fifth car, but they've got that on board, and they reckon they can get it online within five days if they need it, but hopefully they don't. Mm. Now, over at Speed Cafe, Ben Beasley, uh, they've picked up the Bathurst 12-hour V8 clash, and they're talking about cams, don't want to get in and interfere with the two events or uh, make a ruling one way or the other. Yeah, I guess cams... In a sense, as pointed out by um, Eugene Arocco, is that they're the regulators, they're not the marketers. So uh, it's not necessarily their place to get involved. Um, he's been playing the diplomat there and said, you know, he would obviously like to see um, a solution uh, to 
you know, to talk about the clash and uh, and then get get on with it. I think, uh, like everybody else, um, you know, there needs to be a clear: is there a clash? Isn't there a clash? Uh, there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, clearly that there's been notification that that's their ideal date to do the the, the test day. Pre-season test day is going to be a clash, but uh, there's certainly a lot of backlash that's come from, you know, all sectors, including not just uh, the fans, but also drivers who obviously have vested interests in, 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 in running both events, you know, and it just doesn't go from the likes of Craig Lowndes or Shane Van Gisbergen, but you, you've got to think about, obviously, the co-driver lineup, who these guys more or less make more more of their, um, or whether it be a living or reputation, through races like the 12-hour, so... Uh, you know, Cam's is uh, playing a very diplomatic uh, bat right now, um, and you know, as anything, they really can't uh, say one way or the other. You know, to make to force the hand of uh, V8 supercars to move their day. No, that's right. But uh, you would hope that something sensible can come out of it. To our program guests now, and we catch up with after the break, Lucas Dumbrell. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 supercars with Supercars Today. It's, it's no fun back there, trust me, trust me. It's no fun at all. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 supercars world. You'd be a proponent of that because you're not paying it for it. So I can promise you that um, ultimately for the people who are paying for it, it's not. A, it will never happen. Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au or sign up for the podcast today. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard from Lockwood Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back, and we're unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Dale Wood from... Team Advam GB Gal, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. This week's program guest we caught up with in Darwin, it's Lucas Dumbrell. I asked him about cost savings in the V8 supercars and where he thinks the next savings will really come from. There's been a not a whole heap of um, actual big, big ones come out, um, but you know the, the, the brake disc is good. One. I think you know they, they can go a bit further under brake pads because they're actually twice as expensive as, as, as a set of discs. So you know, um, uh, I suppose what else? Um, you know, they've uh, it's probably been it's just such a big thing. And I'll, I'll actually, funny enough, when you actually look down, a, bit, a massive, massive cost is wages, and you can't unfortunately you can't fix that. So um, maybe you know maybe something like shortening the season. I know IndyCar went with a radical kind of five month season this year, which is I don't know, they all said we're not going to work and they've, they've done it or they've nearly done it so that might be you know that, I, don't, I don't know that might might be shortening it is a very long season but it's based on commitments with um obviously uh, you know homebush needs to be you know that date but this is a very very long season you know nine months and then plus we test in feb and then plus everyone it's um that, that might be some way to save costs but nah, i don't know but you know the big next easiest one is we control front suspension you know, i think that's, uh, that's something they need to you know definitely look at being that um you know there's just uh, there's too many variations around, and everyone's upgrading, and there's uh, big dollars involved in that. Um, I think yeah, that's the most obvious one. But yeah, it's um, I know they, they, at the end of the day they, they've they've got a job to run the category as well as you know think up these things on the way past. But I think the most obvious ones, brake pads, would be the next one. You know, maybe to look at. A lot of talk was pit stops was in one respect to uh, help 
the Altimas out who, and the Altimas, the Mercedes that didn't have fuel economy. But two, the thought was, oh, well, you don't need as many pit crew. Yeah, I think probably the, the wages are a tough one. I think the, the big one, um, which is a feasible, because uh, it's been done by a few teams, is um, you, you need to reduce the numbers by... Uh, so a two-car team is allowed uh, 14, two up to seven. One car is eight. Uh, they get an extra, you know, on top of their seven. Um, uh, I think the biggest one, maybe the most clearest one, and uh, be just reduce the number of, uh, of, of two-car ones to 13 said 14 and it will I guarantee the first person to get dropped will be a second data engineer you know Dave Couchy um, he proved it triple eight for many years um, being a data engineer for both cars and worked fine and all that won championships with you know and then um, John McGregor who replaced him um, again single single you know single data engineer that's I think if I think you're knocking the numbers down it'd be just straight off the bat be saving um, and I think yeah I think that's it's definitely a feasible one to do it, it, or it's improving that it's been done for so yeah and uh, of course the market out there it's a tough market to be selling things in. Have you seen a, a flow-through of people talking about the 2015 TV deal? Um, yeah, I think probably more people are just actually taking phone calls these days rather than you know knowing that they can't can't do anything and then you know kind of was just kind of brushing it off a little bit. Um, I suppose I haven't had any major deals that I'm about to sign across the line, but I think people are just talking in and also, but uh, ever you know so much more than than uh, ever before. Um, they need like a B two B kind of uh, you know um, real I suppose aspect of it, and then to the point of they need to be able to quantify that, which is extremely hard. So it's very hard to explain to someone you know when you truck some. Well, obviously, all signing up and it's going in the country. And, you know, people saying it, you can't quantify that. You can't quantify the, just the amount of people walking through the pits seeing it. Um, it's just, you know, so it's quite hard to uh, do that unless you're, I suppose, effectively doing a, you know, uh, I suppose you've got a wrestling goal. You know, um, I don't know when he, when he did it with Super Chief, if there's a wrestling goal, Castrol uh, oil promotion, they could gauge that on how many wrestling goal bottles they sold. But it's just extremely hard to, to try and, um, try and, I don't know, um, try and. Uh, probably just quantify you know what what businesses need 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 to know these days you know they need to know they're getting a return on what they're putting in and um in you know a general like an actual real um income or real revenue actually out of it can't just be stickers on a car and not saying it ever is but it's just you know that sometimes you know stickers on a car would get the deal across the line then you'd work away how to you know how to obviously you don't have an income for them you know but now it's you know you need to know up front what, what what's your ideas you know for to create income you know and uh, for you know or more pr or interest for their business yeah well, interesting times ahead, and uh, I guess this year for Lucas Tumbrell Racing, it's been a colourful time with Russell coming on board. Motorsport, I think a lot of people, a lot of people get that one. Lucas Tumbrell Motorsport. Sorry, sorry to jump in. Oh, okay. Russell did Russell, Russell did it at the launch actually, so you don't feel bad. He uh, did it the worst possible time. You know, I appreciate it. There'll be more after the break here on Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panelists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media, or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's tour at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Ben Beasley and Lewis Isaacs. And guys, one of the interesting things that Lucas Dumbrell was uh, talking about there was, of course, cost 
cutting. He's saying, well, brake pads are just exp- as expensive as rotors, which are already a controlled product. But I did like his uh, his summation about two-car teams and how we just need to drop one data engineer and you'll already make a, a significant saving, Ben. Yeah, I mean, he, he made some good comments, I thought, overall. And, uh, you know, such things like that, I think when you really do look at where your most expensive items, and it is people all the time, and kind of doesn't matter what, if it's motorsport or sport or, or business in general, you know, they're both your most valuable and expensive asset is your people. So if um, people like a data engineer, you could save some money there and look even a little bit further across, um, you know, they could probably save some good money. But I actually think his bigger point in terms of real saving is the length of the season. The season is far too long, um, and and squeezing the season up um, is probably the, the most ideal scenario. You have a situation where right now, when do you give time, guys time off? They're talking about you know the season finishing you know sort of second week of December, and then if they're choosing that test date, well, when do the guys have to be back at work to get those cars prepared for the following season to even meet that test date? You know, that, that's another week added on to a season that probably, when you look at by the end of the year, probably runs, you know, 42 or 43 weeks of the 52. So probably the more sensible option I thought him talking about there was, was closing the season up. Mm. And it's been quite successful this year with IndyCars, Lewis. They, they have compressed their season. It's very, very busy in this uh, stint of the IndyCar season that we're in now, but... They're going to have it all over and done with in five months. And uh, they've they've quite interestingly gone with a a mix of event styles that are trying to make it more interesting to the casual observer as well. Yeah, I think for IndyCar, that congested season is a particular point of difference because it's not quite at the level it was before. But if it works for them, that's great because obviously they've had a few sponsor issues themselves. Their, Their ratings haven't been great for the last decade. So if this contains cost, and that's a bonus for them. I don't know if it will work in supercars because, as we know, the calendar here is quite quite complex. But we all acknowledge that it is a long season, and at the start of the year in particular, it's quite ingested and quite compact. So uh, you do feel for the people involved that it could be a bit much. But when Lucas talks about cutting costs in certain people, he suggests, you know, a second data engineer. But, you know, what's stopping some of the bigger teams from just assigning that person back at the factory and sending the data back there. They're still employed. They're just not at the track and all the information's right there. Yeah, and I've had an interesting discussion in the last couple of weeks too about Formula One. And if you really wanted to make Formula One uh, more interesting and make it more challenging, you would just say at the beginning of race weekend or at the beginning of qualifying, no more sending data to and from the car. Now, obviously, there's safety issues uh, and there's safety information that you'd still want to come through, like a deflating tyre or a warning that a tyre is deflating, things like that. But uh, if you actually turned off the ability to be able to send and receive data throughout a race weekend, Ben, that that would completely change the ball game and it would put a lot more responsibility back into, one, the engineer, and two, the driver. Yeah, well, I think if you have a look at how Formula One works, you know, Friday certainly is... Is, is a setup day, really, you know, and that's where they gather their information or confirm their information of what they're doing. It's easy in saying that, but then knowing how Formula One works, they they do more off pre-event and all that sort of stuff. And what they've also got to remember, they're trying to contain costs but increase the level of the competition and the entertainment. And 
the danger, I think, with an, an idea such as that is that the, the big teams, the, the smart teams, just get smarter and um, the small teams just get further behind, um, which generally is the way, you know, like I think sometimes when teams put up ideas, they always well, they tend to have a bit of a vested interest anyway because they know that they could they can combat the problem, combat what the issues would be. And what generally seems to happen is that uh, even when they come up with a what they think is a solution or a fix, the teams are, are two steps in front of the rule makers anyway. So um, data, that sort of thing. I, you know, I think some of the other interesting comments is that what you've now got is a generation of drivers who just drive off the information that they're given um, from the engineers, stuff like that. So they don't necessarily have to have the feel or, or, or ability to drive around issues like they did before. They just can make an adjustment in the car with electronics and, and things like that. And uh, and then, like you say, if they know that they've got a tyre issue, uh, generally, you know, is the tyre got a puncture or is it graining up or is it got build-up or pick-up on it? You know, they know all that information before it happens and then they can make a pit stop to remedy it anyway. So, but, you know... It's not going to be one one idea that's going to contain cost or, or fix the entertainment. It's almost like they've got to, you know, sort of think about the whole post, the whole sport uh, again to to get around it. You know, I think one of the what you're saying is more like like a NASCAR model. Um, it's funny how NASCAR's rules really, as general, have not changed, and it's kept the competition, you know, close. You see a variety of winners, and it's that sort of thing that I, I guess Formula One would just wish they could have instead of. You know, we've gone through the Red Bull domination and now it's Mercedes domination. And the worst thing is that you, you get to a race weekend and you sort of say, these are hope, you know, a particular team is off this weekend. So it opens up, you know, the competition and you want to see a different winner. And it really should never be like that. Mm. So, Lewis, your thoughts about that supercar saying, race weekend, turn off your data. Well, I don't know if, if that's the way to go about it. You know, you, it, it's an interesting one because... Um, uh, it's it's become more and more prevalent in the sport over the last 15 years how important data and, and MoTeC and all that is and how, how much the drivers use it. But we're already um, a, a pretty competitive series already. You know, there's a second that split, separates, you know, first to 25th in, in qualifying. So that's not really the issue. But if they're serious about cost savings, there, there are other other steps they could use. You know, they've cut practice time this year and they've cut the tire bank in previous years, but... They're not, you know, massive costs. You know, putting people up and travelling is. So perhaps two-day race weekends is, is one solution that, that could work. That way we've got more on-track time when people are at the circuit and, and you know, you're saving one day of travel for everyone, which is, you know, as Ben said earlier, staff and whatever are the, the biggest cost. This is one way to save money. Mm, I've, I've got the feeling now that their supercars are selling a multi-million dollar deal for three days of coverage on speed. There's... No hope left, Ben, of having two-day race weekends. Well, what I'm more interested in is how they're going to do Friday. Does Friday maybe not start till after lunch? You know, if they're going to do telecast of Friday practice, I can't see them maintaining a, you know, uh, a practice in the morning, a practice at lunchtime, and then a practice in the afternoon. I think you're going to see the three practice sessions squeezed up, not necessarily, you know, there might be 10 or 15 minutes in between or one other um, category get 20 minutes in between so somehow so then what you see is not a full day's coverage of events happening on Friday but you might see you know say a two to five type scenario similar to actually what Channel 7 have been doing 
on sort of Fridays from Clipstool um, and even Bathurst, uh, you know, the sort of early week coverage from that as well. So mm. I think, um, yeah, that, but I, I tend to agree. I think a, a two-day meeting would be, from an entertainment point of view at the track, a, a really good thing. You, we've got to a bit of a situation where on Saturday you sort of have these two 10-minute qualifying sessions in the morning and then the two races in the afternoon. But in between, sometimes it's very light on. And then in Townsville, the V8 just had one qualifying, they had a top 10 shootout, then a race. Now, granted, the race was 250 kilometres, but it didn't start till like 3, 3.30. That's a long time to wait a day out to see that sort of action on the track. You know, you know, yeah. you need to, I think, like I said, in terms of the season, but I also think during the days as well, they need to, you know, close things up a lot more to keep everything happening on the track so much more. Yeah, well, I'll tell yeah, you it's what. interesting how they're going to prioritise the, the broadcast next year, whether it's going to be towards the television audience, which for most races will be higher than the people at the track, you know. Practice sessions at this stage are only an hour on the Friday, three 20-minute sessions, and if you're going to spread that across a day, it's not going to look great on TV, but at least at the track you've got a whole day of things to sit and watch. So how they approach that, certainly going to be worth watching. Well, certainly the guys from Speed TV, I know they're solid listeners of Inside Supercars, and what I want them to be negotiating is I want them to re-establish provisional pole position and maybe even go so far as to say if you're fastest on Friday, you're locked into the front row on Saturday, and at least that way it makes Friday an important day and it gets rid of the fast that we've seen, well I think it was Darwin wasn't it, where there was three of us sitting at a post-practice press conference on a Friday, which just doesn't help promote the sport Yeah, Friday has, to, if you're going to run Friday it's got to mean something there's, there's no doubt about that and um, people need to be able to tell a story, you know too many times, you know, it's just been, oh, well, it was what, what tyres did we have? And it doesn't necessarily mean some teams did or didn't use fresh tyres at the end of Friday. It's what you got in your tyre bank. And that, that's all, all a bit wrong and, and, it, and it's misleading. It really is. It doesn't then give you the true indication of what's going to happen on Saturday and Sunday. Mm. Well, a break here on Inside Supercars and then we'll be back with plenty more right after this. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside V8 Supercars. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's no fun back there, trust me. Trust me. It's no fun at all. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. You'd be a proponent of that because you're not paying it for it. So I can promise you that um, ultimately for the people that are paying for it, it's not. A, it will never happen. Supercars Today. Each weekday morning at sport radio.com.au or sign up for the podcast today. Hi, I'm Scott Pye from Wilson Security Dick Johnson Racing and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars here with uh, Lewis Isaac and Ben Beasley joining me, Craig Ravel and a number of drivers heading off to Spa and uh, Lowndes is going to miss a Red Bull test because of it, Lewis. Well, it's, it's something that's clearly becoming important to drivers. You know, they want to do more extracurricular races Lounge has kind of built a profile over recent years with uh, in, in GT racing and kind of been capped off by his 12-hour win this year. Uh, as far as missing the test is concerned, he's I think he knows what he's doing in a supercar now. He's been, been in the series for a while and then he's uh, winning races this year. He's got a few titles to his name, so I don't think that will hurt him too much. But it's also a great advertisement for the series, sending these guys over. And, you know, we've got Lounge and SVG there, with the full-time drivers, but... 
Steve Richards, Dave Russell, uh, Steve Owen are also going to be there. And they're all in, you know, top-class GT3 machines. It's, it's a long race at a really challenging track, and it's a, a really great advertisement for the sport if they use it properly. Mm. And, Ben, uh, Crash.net have reported this week that the former World Touring Car champion Rob Huff says he's considering moving to Australia for the Vat Supercar Series if the opportunity arises. And, and well, it's interesting because now you've got people talking about Australia as a destination, which uh, I think when uh, Alex Premer came down here, everyone was just scratching their head going, why would you want to do this? Yeah, it is interesting. I guess you see um, people like, and then Robert Dahlgren, you know, here as well. Um, he, Robbie, you know, Rob Huff, world touring car champion, it sounds a bit sad that a world touring car champion um, can't necessarily get one of the really good drives in the world touring car championship, first and foremost. And, you know, he, is the guy talented? I'm sure he is. He's done Bathurst 12 hours, that sort of thing. So that's really where he's put his hand up to say, you know, he knows that circuit very well. Um, does he bring a lot of cachet to our series if he comes? Maybe, maybe not. Mainly because, again, I, I think the World Touring Car Championship not probably living up to the um, the hype of its name. But, uh, you know, I'm sure he looked at the examples of the other European drivers who have come out here. Um, but the one thing that has to be said, I think, is going to be quite interesting is seeing how Prema goes in the Volvo when these endurance races come. Because if he's quite fast, does that maybe open the opportunity for him to come back in? That sort of thing. Also, you know, we probably need a couple more cars on the grid to make it an, an appealing thing for Rob Huff to come here. Um, from a sponsorship point of view and a manufacturer point of view interest, I mean, look, if it was somebody who was more recent in Formula One, that sort of thing, or uh, I think I, I think the best European driver who's come out here and, and really shown what he's worth is Matthias Ekstrom at Bathurst last year. Mm. And to be fair, I think Ekstrom, he is a guy who was very, very special in terms of his performance in DTM, even in rally cars and on the snow and the ice, he's, he's, he is an exceptional talent and probably a guy who could make it work. I'm not quite sure that Rob Huff is at that level. Mm. Now, Lewis, what will help opportunities uh, for Huff and anyone else is if they return to 28 cars on the grid? Yeah, well, you know, it's obviously three more spots and I can see why Huff will be looking to upgrade from a... Uh, his Lada, or 1.6-litre Lada to a supercar. And, you know, maybe Lada will want to buy those three wrecks themselves and have him as their factory driver. Who knows? You know, it's it's certainly uh, going to be an interesting time if he can get over here. And as Ben said, he has done some racing here, so he's not all that unfamiliar. But, you know, you've got to think, compared to other Dreamcast series in the world, 28 cars is quite a big grid. Only 25 now. And have we really noticed the downsides? You'd have to say not really in terms of the racing, but at a place like Bastis, it is going to become more and more obvious that the smallest field we've had for a long time. Mm, yeah, well, well, we'll see how that pans out with the wild cards expected to be announced fairly soon. A break and then our final thought. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck. 
for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, and uh, a final thought, Ben Beasley. Oh, well, I think, you know, there's this mini break on at the moment, um, and in terms of the championship, that sort of thing, be very interesting in Queensland Raceway when we come back and just see how quick, you know, Jamie Wincup really is. He's He's been pretty hot of late. Um, his performances in the last couple of rounds after their test, they're going to do this other test again, even without Craig Lowndes. And if uh, they can really get a good round going at Queensland Raceway and then follow that up with Eastern Creek, he looked awful dangerous, I think, over the second half of the season. Mm. Lewis Isaac. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Ben there. The test at QR, his home track's going to be massive for him. They were the form team at Eastern Creek three years ago, so I don't know if that counts so much these days, but it's an ominous sign. And then we go to the Enduros with his big point races. And the one thing he's got that's an advantage this year is Ford Umbrell's racing, so he's coming in sharper than he has in recent seasons. And as we saw, you know, the last two years at the Enduros, he's, not, he's lost none of his pace. He's as quick as the full-time guys in the car. And, you know, it, it's certainly dipping results back in Jamie's favour. He's not leading the championship, but... He's certainly become you know, the favourite of the last two rounds, hasn't he? Yeah, he has indeed. Well, my final thought is we've just seen six drivers selected from video gaming in Australia with the PlayStation Academy to head over to Silverstone. Will we ever see a PlayStation Academy car in the Vert Supercar series? I'm not so sure, but we certainly could see a wildcard car in the very near future. Lewis and Ben, thanks very much for your time today in joining us here on Inside Supercars. You're always a pleasure, Craig. That's all we have time for this week. Until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.